internet, I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. My name is Matthew Kroll. And you will walk many miles. Dozens will become hundreds. Hundreds will become thousands. Your adventure will continue for years and years. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, Bo is Afraid. Are you afraid? Well, I'm going to answer that question with a sound effect. Okay. I'm not sure if that's uh, if that's what the answer implies there. You're I you're, need a drink. You're not oh, you need a drink after this movie? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's put us in good stead for that. I'm I was excited about this one. We've been in video game territory for the last couple of weeks. We had yes. well, Dungeons and Dragons is not technically a video game, but I guess it is. It's Gaming. a board game. Yeah. Uh, then we well, had the Tetris a tabletop movie. RPG. Yeah, Junior. tabletop RPG. Then the Tetris movie about the business of games. And then of course the Super Mario Actually, that's a nice little um Concentric set of concentric circles, right? I I really, really, really enjoyed uh, sort of the the gaming uh, zeitgeist we got to cover in the last three weeks. However, I'm real glad to leave. It. Okay, and of course there was also the the Last of Us. By the way, just before we continue, did you see the Last of Us season one? I finally finished. Yes. It. Yeah. 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 Oh, good. Uh, did you thoughts? Any thoughts? Feelings? Emotions? Uh, I mean, it's a it's a really good faithful adaptation of a game that is very cinematic. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know like. I, I enjoyed the gameplay better. Yeah. I Look, I I thought it was very well made, very well crafted. Uh, I thought it was a little bit of a slog, to be honest with you. Like, oh, really? Yeah, I, I found it kind of a slog to watch, and um, uh, there was a point at which I, I really did lose interest in, in oh, what was wow. happening. Oh, wow. I um I didn't ever feel like... It's funny. I liked the slower moments, <laughs> I think, more than, than most, <laughs> um, but uh, I... I I, I, it's funny. I say like, "Oh, I liked the game better." Yeah, that's cool. But also, like, I don't know. I I really did enjoy my time with the game with the, with the show. But it is the same thing, just done expertly. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm uh, you know Craig Mazan who uh, show ran it. Um, uh, the show I was much more addicted to uh, was Chernobyl. Uh, I you know I couldn't put that thing down. Um, so you know, Last of Us I think it was great. It's it's very good, uh, and I'm sure it'll get better and better and better. Yeah. Um. And uh, also, just before we move on, I caught up with uh, Beef this week on Netflix, which is excellent, by the way. Uh, I know there's a little bit of controversy around that, particularly around one of the actors. Uh, but I think uh, whatever your thoughts are on that uh, particular topic, uh, the show is really expertly crafted. Mm. Uh, it gets a little weird in the middle uh, in terms of like what people are thinking and, and you know that sort of strange character motivations. But it ends so strongly. Uh, it's a, it is a really great, great watch. Um, and really... Nice. Um, you know what's funny is I lived in uh, I lived in California for a while, and um, there was this thing which I noted while watching Beef, and it's a strange thing to think about or to say out loud, maybe. But Beef reminded me that most of the places that I lived in in, in California were were predominantly uh, Asian American. Oh wow! And and in Beef, there was this point where I was like. I don't think I've seen someone who's not Asian American. And I realized <laughs> right, that right, that right, was right. truer to my experience than most shows that are set in California. Um, and so it was great. It was great from that point of view. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I do need to check it out. I've just, the only things I've been slowly, even remotely keeping up with has been Ted Lasso, Mandalorian, uh, and I'm going to the good place again because I need it. Right. <laughs> Our Venn diagrams are so different. Our algorithms are are like complete polar opposites, right? Actually, you know what I'll tell you I finished? What's that? Uh, my bedtime show. I finished Frasier. Frasier. You got some uh, uh, what uh, a weird, green. what a weird, wonderful, <laughs> terrible, awesome, nightmarish sitcom that is. Uh, 
Yeah. Delightful, right? <laughs> it's overall delightful. It's, bits have not aged well, uh, but it's I, the characters are all so much fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I I I. I was shocked how much I related to it now as a man in my redacted years old uh, age. So, yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. uh, we are going to both be turning redacted years old in uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, happy birthday to you. I know it's early, but you are going to be having a charity stream on Extra Credits. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. And happy birthday to you as it's coming yeah. up. Um, I will be doing on May 5th. I guess, actually, wow, this will technically be the first thing... This is, a, this is a breaking news, because I think this will be the first released thing that I've done that will talk about it. Mm -hmm. Basically on May 5th, starting at noon Eastern Standard Time, we are going to be doing something called Matt's Breath of the Wild Birthday Bash. Mm -hmm. No, Matt's Breath of the Wild Backstory Birthday Bash for Betterment 2023. Okay. That's, I believe, the official title. Okay. And it's going to be raising money for Best Friends Animal Society, which is a phenomenal uh, animal charity. We'll have a plunge of information about that uh, on a short we're doing and a couple things for the stream. But the idea is, I uh, Breath of the Wild, tier, I'm sorry, Ze Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom comes out a week later. Okay. So I need to catch up on every bit of Zelda lore, or I'm not going to know what's going on. That's like the gimmick. Okay. So we are going to play through seven different Zelda games and change them as we get hit donation goals. So we're going to start with the Nintendo ones, and the Super Nintendo, then etc. This is only 24 hours? Uh, There's going to be around 12 hours, okay. but as we hit them, that's when we change. Uh, that's when we change games, and it will all be crowd control, okay. which is what I've done in the past. Which lets basically the money you donate gives you coins, and you can affect my game in real time. So you can come and like help me and like give me hearts, or you can just like have bombs spawn all around me. Like you can you can mess with me or help me get through the games as you go uh, based on the donations that you give, and there'll be prizes and a bunch of other stuff. It's my favorite thing we do, I think, all year. Uh, these charity streams on my birthday. Whoever's uh, coding this should be able to introduce uh, a Last of Us mushroom head into your game of Zelda. That would be amazing, uh -oh. right? <laughs> just, 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 just like randomly the... throw like <laughs> oh god the giant mushroom dude. Uh, I, I did. We were testing. Um, we were testing uh, Wind Waker, the the GameCube game. Yeah. The, the, it's the cartoony one. Okay. And there's one thing that actually like you can pay a little bit of money uh, and you'll make Link grow three times as big. Okay. It it adjusts your hitbox. Yeah. So it's funny and ha ha ha, but like enemies can hit you easy or if you're in a crunch space it can kill you. Like it's all this weird like <laughs> like stuff you have to keep in mind. Anyway, I'm very excited about it. Again, May 5th, uh, 12 p.m. will be starting. We'll be going all day. Uh, it's for a good cause. I'm very, very excited. Thank you for bringing it up. No problem. Well, I was going to say as well, uh, last, was it last year? Maybe it was a couple of years ago. We did a special episode where we uh, gave each other the gift of a movie. That's right. uh, someone on Twitter was like saying, hey, this would be a great idea for a podcast is the, the host would give each other a movie. Uh, we haven't talked about any of this yet, but write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for movies that you would either gift individually, specifically for Matt or Shahir. Um, oh. And then we'll see. Maybe, maybe we can turn that into a thing depending on the responses we get. Uh, but again... Try it. Let's try it out. Let's see. We're doing it live. This is not something Matt and I have talked about, and I'm not expecting it to go anywhere because the the challenge, as Matt and I identified last time, is trying to find a movie that neither Matt and I, Matt or I, have seen, and in our different Venn diagrams as we've as we've specifically described. So, if there's one thing I've learned, even from mm -hmm. Twitch streaming, right. It's that the, I call it the will of the chat, yeah. if you will, uh, the hive mind nature of it, yeah. 
they will they will find like I I have full faith that our listeners here will find the films. They gotta find like them. you when it's just two of us yeah. thinking back and forth. Like I think it's that gets it much more difficult. But when it's like <laughs> when it's literally hundreds, yeah. <laughs> literally hundreds, at least of ten of us. There are dozens of them. <laughs> dozens of us. Uh, yeah, I think that'll. Uh, I think I, I'd be really psyched for that. Please do for our birthdays. That's all we want. Yeah is you to write us in and tell us what movies you think we haven't seen to watch. And we could try and do a movie swap episode again, see if that happens. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, we yeah. also got a few emails in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com this week that we want to go through. This first one, I, I felt like we read this on air, so if we have read this on air uh, before, uh, I apologize, <laughs> um, but it was just the case that I was going back and I was like, did I respond? To, did we put this on air? I know I definitely responded to this person. Uh, and it was a wonderful email. So uh, if this is a double up, it was great enough emails that, that it was worth the double up. Uh, this came in from Valerie, who said, Hello, dear Only Movie Podcast. I'm originally from Ukraine, but haven't lived there for over 10 years. Since February 24th, 2022, my whole life and attention has been concentrated on the war. Some time ago, to maintain my sanity, I started searching for distractions. And among the many podcasts, I discovered the only one. I wanted to say thank you for your work. It truly helps me regain my sanity and rebuild my love for cinema. Please keep doing what you're doing. Your passion can truly help another person with love and regards valerie what a lovely email that is yeah um thank you valerie um i hope i hope um yeah, i hope i hope that uh you are sort of taking as best care of yourself as you can mm. uh in this incredibly uh nightmarish time that you are in, directly in the middle of um i i i i definitely see the value in distraction yeah. uh in in that regard and if if that's something that uh we can offer a little bit of i'm i'm uh so incredibly honored to be able to give that um yeah uh i was not expecting that email yeah, i apologize it's lovely <laughs> and, and i feel bad that i didn't read it out much earlier uh, as i mentioned our email inbox was a little bit of a mess uh so i was just going back through this still is uh still is a mess by the way uh i reached out uh, back to valerie just to say thank you and appreciate it i also said i don't actually know a lot about ukrainian cinema is there anything you could point us to to movies that uh -huh. you would think that we'd be interested in seeing and yeah. uh they pointed out to uh everything is illuminated for, uh, which is of course directed by leif schraber and starring elijah wood uh but was shot in the ukrainians i i haven't seen the movie but i've seen the trails of it um but the there's a sort of beautiful sunflower uh sequences from that movie that I've always uh, always looked majestic uh, and nice. then the other movie that uh, they re um, pointed out was a film called My Thoughts Are Silent which came out in 2019 from director Antonio Lukic uh, which I will definitely make a point of trying to see now again thank you for the emails the recommendations and we hope that our thoughts are extended uh, as far as you are to us uh, Matt do you want to take the second one I absolutely will this one is from Mohammed. Uh, he writes uh, hope that you are doing well last week I watched both the menu and try Triangle of Sadness in Succession. Great double feature. Since I like films that poke at the subject of class, wealth, equality, and the disparity it causes. Among the two, I found the satire of Triangle of Sadness to be a bit more razor sharp in scenes where one of the wealthy guests insists that the they sail uh, that the sails need to be cleaned when the yacht had no sails, <laughs> and and uh, just the overall ob uh, obliviousness of all of the guests. And I must say, the juxtaposition of the heavy metal song played over the cleaning staff cleaning the filth of the carpet had me laughing hysterically it's an amazing movie which i won't be watching <laughs> again i love that sentiment um he continues however there is a moment in the menu which just made it stay in my head a bit more 
when Slowick says to his guests, uh, you represent the ruin of my art and my life. I cannot help but feel as if that line was aimed directly towards the way fandom has caused artists to lose passion for their craft. Whether it's George Lucas or the hijacking of the Matrix terminology by right-wing trolls, I just feel like this line came from a place of pain by the writer. Anyway, love both of these films, and I wish I had seen them sooner. Wish you all the best. We wish you all the best, Mohamed. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Uh, what you were good... quite a fan of the menu, right? Yeah. It... I love the menu. And Triangle of Sadness was great. Yeah. I I, um, I liked the menu. I, I certainly enjoyed the menu. I think I described to you as like, I was glad that we didn't have to talk about this movie. In terms of like, I watched right. it, I enjoyed it, I liked it, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but uh, I, I, I do want to try the hamburger from the menu that is uh, that is that is taken up a, uh, a certain amount of preoccupation in my time uh, <laughs> I'm very obsessed with uh, smash burgers right now whether that's really related to the the, the, Don't the know. conversation of art in that movie and the and the 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 death of art um, as it were uh, is probably moot but uh, I did enjoy that movie um, yeah I uh, I love I love the concept though of like that line, like, because I mean, we're kind of seeing it with fandoms, right? Like, there's less and less, and and almost the 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 concept of fandoms has kind of twisted. I think a lot of even like, um, I don't even know if I want to like how to how to tie this in, but like the the thing that came to my mind for whatever reason when reading this email and thinking about like, oh, the love loss and like even people trying to reclaim it in a in a place that the fandoms are as as. Uh, uh, many, many case in many cases toxic as they are, mm-hmm. uh, are was the sort of um, Zachary Levi and The Rock sort of like <laughs> half feud, yeah. Uh, two films in the DCEU that are not really terribly important anymore in the canonical sense because they're kind of rebooting it, yeah. Um, and just the way that like fandoms latched on to that feud seemingly more than either of the films that they were feuding about yeah and like i was like oh this is where we are i, I okay. mean look i love some uh, some rock and zachary levi gossip uh but you know in the grand scheme of things uh neither of those movies really moved the cultural needle so to speak so does it matter i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. that i no, but like i just yeah. I, I don't know it's something that it, it called up in my mind yeah um, finally, an email here from Kellen who says, Hey, man, you're here. Hope you're both doing well. First, is that unpaid intern position still available? Yes. I rolled a 15. Now, this is criminology. I'm going to need some help deciphering here. Sure, I sure. rolled a 15 with a plus two on the Arcana dick with my half-elf warlock, so hopefully that is enough to get the gig. <laughs> you, you said you said Arcane chick uh, deck. Dick. It's Ar- Arcana check. Arcana chick. <laughs> I don't know what these, I don't know what these words are. <laughs> Listen, the DC was a 15, so that plus two did save you, and I think you got the gig. All right. Uh, speaking of the D&D movie, one of the things you guys mentioned uh, that my partner, his sister, and I all loved was the practical costume and makeup creature fix, specifically the Tabaxis. Matt asked for play. Tabaxi. Tabaxi? Tabaxi. Sorry. Tabaxi. Tabaxi. Uh, Matt asked for the players to email their thoughts, and my partner felt played the Tabaxi Rogue in a campaign a few years ago. She thought they were great and didn't feel that the scene was dumb at all. The only thing she didn't like was the way they only made kitty sounds because they do speak common. And we're not- I think that was just a limitation of not wanting to animate, like animate, like animatronic the mouth. Right. Okay. And when you say speak common. Oh, so that's in Dungeons & Dragons, there's, common is the language that's like the easy one that sort of like everyone speaks, so it's like, like unless you're getting into very specific cases. Um, and has anyone checked like, in if the rapper Common is into D&D? 
Ooh. I mean, that would have made Ooh. sense, right? Like, easy yeah. easy layup there. Quite As for the Super Mario Brothers movie, I'm a half-glass full guy uh, who had a great time with it despite the lackluster story. I've never played a Mario game to experience a great story, so I wasn't expecting it here. I think after the 1993 live-action film and Nintendo only just now being okay with big screen adaptations, playing it safe was the smart move. That 93 film diverted the IP quite a bit and got pretty creative with its storytelling. You guys, everyone, by the way, this is just me. Go watch the 1993 Super Mario Bros. movie. It is a trip. Yes. I'm hoping the safe first choice will open it up for sequels to be more creative and story-focused now that this is the first huge box office success has achieved, and it was a huge box office hit. Quick side note, Charlie's Charlie Day's Luigi was a standout for me, and a Luigi's Mansion movie with him as the protagonist and Mario as a small supporting role would be my first pick. Final things that I want to mention. Kids at the Movies, a big part of Mario's success, is it was really uh, a first real kids movie since Christmas time, and releasing yeah. it during Easter break was extremely smart. Sadly, I've seen several movies movies in the past couple of months with kids in attendance who shouldn't have been there. At both 65 and Dungeons and Dragons there were some kids who were probably 7 or 8 and at Shazam there was a family sitting next to us with a couple of preschoolers who talked or got up and walked around the entire time. To Matt's points about kids at the 10 o'clock show of Mario I'd rather see kids at the night show of a kids movie than in an afternoon show of a not for kids movie that they won't understand or want to watch for more than 15 minutes. Same. Thanks always for the great discussions. Uh, Kellen, if you haven't heard it by this point, um, I, I, I can't remember if Kellen was one of the people that's going back and listening through all our episodes. A lot of people seem to be doing that. Uh, but uh, listen to our episode about The Witch, which I saw yeah. at, a, at a 10 p.m. screening in Burbank, California, and where a baby was in attendance uh, during, during the entire movie. Uh, and, and also a Deadpool episode where also there was a child in attendance. Uh, You'd love to see it. Love to see it. All you don't, right. You don't love to see it. What, well, the question of whether we love to see it or not is related to Ari Aster's third film, uh, which is uh, <laughs> opening wide uh, as of uh, the release of this episode, but we saw it in a special advance release. Uh, Matt, can you tell us what Bo is really afraid of? Oh, well, I can. Well, I can tell you what IMDb thinks Bo is really afraid of. Uh, they say that following the sudden death of his mother, a mild-mannered but anxiety-ridden man confronts his darkest fears as he embarks on an epic Kafkaesque odyssey back home. It's funny it's Kafkaesque, which is, I think is actually a really appropriate use of the term. Um, but, Rarely it is, yeah, it re- but this time I think they that is correct. Well, it's funny because uh, Ari Aster himself had described this as a Jewish Lord of the Rings, which I was I was quite excited for uh, to begin with. Um, but I was obviously, uh, if you go back and listen to our episodes on Hereditary and Midsommar, uh, uh, all in on Ari Aster at this point, and really excited to uh, to talk about Bo's Afraid because I, uh, Hereditary was probably one of my favorite films that came out in that year. Midsommar wasn't so much hot on, but I, but I really, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this guy. Uh, it, I've just recently started hearing people call it Midsummer. Yeah, I know that's how it's spelt. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was always Midsummer or Midsummer. Yeah, like uh, I, 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 I must have picked up the vernacular at some place. But like lately, I'm saying like whenever it's come up, even in common parlance with even film, I wouldn't even call my like my film friends. Yeah, like it's been called. Uh, Midsommar. I think I, uh, that's probably because uh, Ari Aster is doing the press circuit now, and so he's, oh, he's yeah. saying it out loud, um, uh, so more people are hearing it. Um, and I wasn't able to go to the screening, but at the Lincoln IMAX where uh, I did see the movie, uh, he did a Q&A with Martin Scorsese uh, afterwards, and they talked a lot about uh, all of his work. Uh, Martin Scorsese is obviously a big fan of, um, of Ari Aster as well. Um, you know what's so funny? I think, was that Monday? It was, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. So so when I went, yeah. I did not see the IMAX version. I just saw a regular old version, yep. 715. It was quite nice. Yeah. 
Um, but then there was a ton of people outside with signs and like signing things, yeah. like waiting, yeah. and people were coming out of the IMAX theater at that time. I was like, oh, and then I didn't realize it. I was like, and then I put two and two together after you said it and a couple other people. I was like, oh, uh, Ari and Marty were watching that movie upstairs. Yeah, or they were doing the Q&A at least uh, yeah. outside. So, um, Matt, you uh, last week you asked me what Bo is afraid is about, and I, and I kind of said... Uh, it's a new Ari Aster movie. That's all I wanted to tell you. I hoped you'd went in without watching any trailers, any material. Um, I had seen a couple of images. I knew what the film was kind of loosely about. I'd read a little little snippets here and there. But I was like, I want to see this movie completely cold. No sense of what whatever mm-hmm. it is. Is that the case for you when you went in? Oh, yeah. The only thing I knew about this movie, I'd seen an image of him sitting on a deck chair on a yacht. Yep. And I saw an image of him superimposed onto an animated field. There you go. And those were the two images that I knew about Bo is Afraid before I went in. So, so I, I will say this okay. to anyone who's listening. I I, I, I normally don't advocate for this uh, type of thing with the podcast. If you haven't seen Bo is Afraid and you're going to, and you plan to, pause us. <laughs> <laughs> like, just pause us right here. Uh, because uh, I think there is a value to going into this film as cold as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I just do. I more than more than a lot of films, I would say, because normally it's like, oh, let's get our first thoughts and our impressions and all that stuff. And even that, I feel, will get us uh, to a point that would would hinder that like coldness of going in. Okay. So that's what I'm just saying. I'm just saying, pause, we'll come back. Wait, oh, and you're back. That's so great. But the only thing I'll say there is it is nearly three hours long, and uh, there is one thing about that three hours that I will say, which is that I certainly felt the length. Uh, oh, so you know what? Yeah. I didn't. Okay. What time did you go? Uh, I went to an 8 o'clock screening, I believe. Um, okay. That's no, not... I wasn't tired. I certainly okay. wasn't tired. Um, because I had prepped to see the movie. I even I even had a dad nap um, before the movie. Uh, What's that? Uh, yeah, I know. Um, but I was very excited. <laughs> I, the days I can get a dad nap in, oh All boy, right. let me tell you, nice. those are some special days. But nice. uh, I did certainly feel the length of it. Matt, do you want to tell me, you know, there is quite a bold ending to this film. When that moment rolled around and you thought about it for a second, what was your overall impression of Bo is Afraid? Of the film? Yes. Uh, no, the comic strip we just talked about. Oh, oh well. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't know if you meant like the, just the ending or not. But the 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 I would say I did not love it by the time, like at that moment. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed my time and I was never bored. Now, honestly, I didn't feel the the length the the length of it. Uh, I never checked my watch. I was never wondering what time it was. Uh, and when I walked out, uh, I felt like, (laughs) I was like, I don't know what, what to honestly think. I started texting Patrick, uh, Willems, uh, he was originally uh, going to be on this episode, but then there was some scheduling stuff. Uh, and he and I were just shooting the shit about it. And like, it was one of those things where as I was just talking to him very briefly about it, mm-hmm. I realized this is a movie that I will need to sleep and dream about before I have an actual, like fully formed opinion. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I went home. I had some really fucked up dreams yeah. and, uh, I came out the other side, like to be perfectly honest here, wanting to watch this again. Mm-hmm. I think there is so much going on here 
and so many layers to the proverbial onion that this movie is is sort of presenting and peeling back again and again and again that I um I experienced it and I think going in cold gave me that like the sort of like raw visceral sort of like like journey that Bo was going on but it's so much and it's so odd in places and it's so uh over the top raw mm-hmm. in in ways that make emotional sense which most times that sort of rawness doesn't click like that yeah. that I um I needed time right <laughs> uh and after after having it and reflecting on it and sleeping on it literally sleeping on it uh I was I'm all on board uh this movie is easily one of my favorites of the year hmm. um it has uh I, I don't know if you uh, felt this way at all, but I was getting real notes of mother in it, yep. not just the Bo's mother, but <laughs> yeah. the film mother. Yeah. Certainly uh, some, uh, some mother anxiety in this movie. Yeah, well, there's mother anxiety in this movie, but also just like the the allegorical or the fantastical or the like, you know, uh, heightened uh, reality moving to full blown mm-hmm. uh, either delusion or just alternate reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, is fascinating and cool and a really interesting way to look at things like neuroses and anxiety and fear. Um, the the way that that um, simple things were even I'll even start in the first like half hour of the movie where Bo is just dealing with stuff like in and around his apartment. Mm. Um, the way in which it displays small moments that would cause someone with hyper anxiety to have uh, panic attacks or or, or discomfort or or, or, or crippling fear felt so real and so relatable mm. um that i i couldn't stop watching and i couldn't like i don't know it felt for for a for a movie that is so fucking fantastical and weird and hyper violent in spots and uh lilting and and just uh, a a a roller coaster of insanity <laughs> I felt so tied in to this film and re- was able to relate to a lot of I, what I feel like the underpinning emotions were in those heightened scenarios. Mm-hmm. Like I'd never seen anxiety that that portrayed in a way where I'm like, yes, that's what it feels like. Right. Like like that is exactly what anxiety is. You're showing me a visual representation of how I experience heightened anxiety, and it is not not that like I'm I'm seeing a naked stabbing man like all the time, but like. The feeling like it's there, right? Uh, is is insane. I loved it. I absolutely. What about you? I feel like I've been rambling for a minute yeah, and a half. No, um, yeah, because I think the movie is. Uh, I, I mentioned the the final moments because they come fairly abruptly uh, without giving away any spoilers. And yeah. I loved the experience of sitting in a movie theater and just listening to the conversations as people were walking out the theater. Oh yeah, uh, because they were incredibly mixed and varied but certainly the thing that i appreciated most about this movie was the sheer scale of it the sheer Mm -hmm. oddity of it and 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 the sense that this was a film that was willing to be divisive um, to 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 do things that knowingly will make half the audience turn off and there's a fame if you go on twitter right now uh some reviewer i don't know who it was uh, was heard at the end of the credits of uh, one of the first screenings shouting, this is a career killer, man. People don't come back from a movie like this and just absolutely hated the movie uh, mm. 100%. I, for my, for my part of it, 
uh, you know, the movie is divided essentially into five acts or five uh, five uh, key parts of the journey. Sure. And the first part, the one you're describing of Bo living in his apartment and living in sort of like a urban dystopia, which is clearly hyper stylized. It's 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 uh, not reminiscent of almost any dystopia that we've ever seen, but it's it's much more uh and kafkaesque i think is the right phrase for it yeah um i thought that was absolutely wonderful i was like i was on board for the chaos the madness of it all the sort of beautiful sort of almost louis bunuel sort of sense of physical comedy to it uh i i was a hundred percent on board for it and i loved every like there was just such a sort of sense of the director or the filmmaker really fucking with Bo. And, like, really, like, doing everything to, like, mess with Bo in, like, a really interesting way. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. I think as the movie progresses, it gets more philosophically interested in the bigger story about Bo's anxiety, which inevitably, as we've kind of alluded to, has to do with his mother. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a secret that is, you know, kind of the, the journey of this movie. If, if this is the Jewish Lord of the Rings, he is, he is uh, going to see, uh, the, 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 I guess the analogy would be is that Sauron is his mother in this case. Um, <laughs> or and, Mount Doom. <laughs> or Mount Doom, yeah. And um, I found that the more that the film got into that dialectic about Bo's inner life and perhaps the meaning of where his anxiety came from or perhaps why he's going on this journey or the essentially the fifth act kind of confrontation, I found that I lost interest in what was happening because I didn't feel that the film was really exploring a meaningful inner life to this character. Hmm. And if you think about, you know, say... I, I don't know, you know, like I'm throwing out an example here uh, of Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind with the Michelle Gondry's film, um, which explores both the the sort of the the journey of the relationship that is being formed, but also the internal logic of why this character is the way they are, why they suffer the anxieties they suffer, what has mo- brought them to this position. I, that, I'm, ju- I'm just comparing it as an example. I found that like, that is a text that is like fully rich and turns with detail that I'm really, really interested in. Um, I found when this gets into Bo and his mother, and there's, you know, there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory, a little bit of the sort of cultish kind of um, ideas that, that uh, Asta has been playing with in both Hereditary and Midsommar as well. Um, a lot of familiar tropes in terms of like injuries to the head um, and, and sort of uh, the way in which death is uh, doled out in here. Um, I found that that part was a little unsatisfying. Now, to your point, um, I do want to see it again. I do want to give it another shot. And I think there is a thing here, which is that when when a film like this, when you, when you know what the end point is going to be, there is a um, perhaps more to be mined in it. Um, but I want to bring up... Um, there were two sort of competing, uh, you know, you know. as I say, the movie is divisive. And I wanted to bring up two different reviews of this film. One from a uh, person who's been on the show, Sedanta Adlanka, and hey. one from The New Yorker's Richard Brody. Uh, and I sit sort of somewhere in the middle of this, I guess, more closer to what Sedanta Adlanka, uh, sorry, to, to what Richard Brody thinks of it, but perhaps with a little bit more of um, a benefit of the doubt. Sedanta Adlanka says, uh, and I love his tagline to this, men would rather make paranoid horror blockbusters than go to therapy. Bo is afraid it never <laughs> stops ticking, even when it takes lengthy detours into imaginative fantasies of love, happiness just outside of Bo's reach before snapping back like a rubber band to its strange unreality. 
Anchored by uh, Joaquin Phoenix's absurdist performance as a paranoid man making his way home to see his mother, it escalates in both physical scale and overlapping illusions that soon loop back on themselves as if it was slightly deconstructing its own storytelling language. Um, these eventually build into an overt yet obvious uh, uh, and obvious yet wholly focused metaphor for how creating cinema is an act of vulnerability, one with little upside except exposing the most fearful and shameful corners of oneself for all the world to see. In that vein, it's the kind of movie worth recommending for its ambition alone, merely to witness the audacious results of an anxious self-loathing writ large across the silver screen without an ounce of restraint. That it's also remarkably well-crafted horror comedy is a cherry on top. I, mm. I that last part is where I kind of, you know, fall uh, fall off this 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 train a little bit. Interesting. Richard Brody says. For all of the fantasy elements of Bo's Afraid, the movie isn't work, a work of surrealism, but merely of unrealism, uh, and a, a phrase that Sedant had used there. The difference is that the work of surre- uh, a work of surrealism gets at what's hidden in an ordinary life. Astor's unrealism does the exact opposite. It conceals and obscures what's substantial in Bo's ordinary life. Bo is Afraid launches into Bo's dreams and hallucinations, which is to say, into his inner fantasy inner life, without touching on his far more complex, if less sensationalistic, realistic inner life, namely his memories, his knowledge of about himself and what he has done, how he has lived, the network of plain but vastly important events on which the entire dramatic fiction depends. And I think to me, this is what gets at me for the film and and why I felt the length of it, is that when we do get to the confrontation between uh, Bo and his mother, I really didn't feel there was much there other than sort of these somewhat tepidly interesting uh, revelations about the level of, of of the mother's control. For Bo himself, though, I kind of I I was just kind of like, okay, cool, yeah, that I guess that's what you grew up with, and I wasn't really that invested in the inner turmoil or anything to do with this character. Um, so, so on that note, yeah, that the entire thing that you and that last reviewer just described is exactly why I love this film. Okay, uh, Bo isn't important Bo to me okay Bo Bo's life I don't care it's not a mystery about Bo Mm -hmm. uh Bo is a vehicle to discuss the way that in my opinion myself or people in general um deal with uh weirdly and in different ways of course like the stressors of life okay um I found so much relatable just with the way and this sounds weird, especially because uh, the, the big thing about this movie, again, we're deep into spoilers, is there's a giant penis monster. There is a giant um, penis monster in this movie. But Very like Cronenbergian at some point. Yeah. But the the I could relate to nearly every fear that was um exaggerated to the umpteenth degree. Mm-hmm. In this movie and and to me Bo I don't I was never interested in like oh man like what's the what's the thing that goes into uh, like Bo and why is this thing and his mother and yada 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 in fact all of those like plot points Mm -hmm. were the stuff that was more played I found for comedy or at least setups for parts when this when it was being funny and and there are genuinely funny parts of this movie like the the audience I saw 
was don't, was don't. laughing just as much as they were like gasping. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't um, uh, don't misconstrue what I'm saying to say this is not course. made by an ex- this is this is made by an expert filmmaker. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and, and and so it's interesting because I don't disagree with that call of like oh yeah like the it, it doesn't go deep into bow because I, I it's funny For, it, you think it might from the beginning but actually when I thought back on it and I thought about this very thing. We don't see Bo get born. Uh, we do, we are born. No, no, no. We are born. Right. It is yeah. from the pers- it is from a first person air quotes perspective of birth until he gets dropped. Yeah. Um. And so, like, we didn't witness uh, like from a third person perspective a child being born and dropped. We were born and dropped. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, I think it solidified for me. This journey is to show how we especially anxious people fearful people interpret the multitude of like benign things in life that we do every day mm. but how if you have anxiety you have any sort of like um any uh uh things that plague you in those ways uh they can feel debilitating mm-hmm. um I've had panic attacks. I've uh, I've dealt with a couple things. I mean, I, I go to therapy. I do all this stuff. Um, but I just, everything from the mother relationship to uh, the, the ter- air quotes, terrors of the city, mm-hmm. to uh, awkward social interactions, to, uh, you know, the, wondering about... Uh, either sexual norms or interactions like everything i was like yeah 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 yeah. like i was leonardo dicaprio holding the beer pointing at the screen i'm like yeah 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 yeah, i get that like that's everything about it even though (laughs) it's it's couched in like in unrealism that's exactly what it is um i felt that unrealism while it did nothing to extrapolate who bo was as a person did leaps and bounds to extrapolate the feelings that we were seeing Bo go through and therefore we could experience with him because they are so heightened and unrealistic. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it, it, it 100% makes sense. And I think it plays to the idea that, again, the movie is expertly crafted in terms of like the opening sequence, well, the set of opening sequences when Bo is in his apartment and he's trying to go to sleep before the night before his uh, flight <laughs> and a series of letters get passed underneath oh his, underneath his uh, door saying like, could you turn the music down? And he's like, I'm just, you know, this is the most Kafka is thing, but also like a real representation of anxiety. Um, yep. It also reminded me of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love in terms of the way that like every little moment gets misconstrued in some way, in a way that is baffling to those behind it. That whole first part, by the way, is based on a short Ari did. Yeah, it's in a short film Bo, which I, I have not seen, and I believe uh, has been removed, scrubbed as efficiently as possible by A24 on the internet. Um, but I would love to see it, because, again, Ari's... Uh, Ari, as though I know the guy. Uh, yeah, his Ari. first film... Uh, uh, his one of his short films. There's something about the Johnsons, or the strange thing about the Johnsons, is incredible, and you should mm-hmm. uh, seek that out if you can if you can stomach it. Um, but uh, there, it's it's expertly maneuvered and crafted. Um, I think the thing for me is that what happens is towards the back end of the movie, something that Sadat points out, which is that the film becomes self-reflexive. And maybe you've kind of hit a nail on the head here, which is that we, Bo is not born, we are born. And in the end of the movie, Bo is confronted by an audience, not 
you know, uh, unfamiliar, uh, unfamiliar to us, uh, watching uh, projections of his life mm-hmm. uh, and, and of the mistakes he has made in this film. And in many ways, um, everything that he is doing is being misinterpreted yet again um, by both Richard Kind uh, and the audience uh, who, in many ways, feel like us. And the interesting thing that happens there is that, you know, the ending of the movie is essentially Bo... Um, uh, the, the to, to spoil the mechanics of it, and I guess we are in spoilers right now. The, yeah. the, the the engine for the boat that he is in uh, splits apart, destroys the boat that he's in, and suddenly flips him over. Uh, he gets stuck underneath the boat, presumably, and dies. And then the credits roll up. Um, I think for me, the thing there was that the endurance test of watching the movie there at that point had really led me to something that I think was maybe evident in Hereditary or. Um, Midsommar, but maybe more explicit here was a sort of gleeful cruelty with which Asta kind of deploys, you know, like indulges and moves his characters around. And I think that destruction of Bo at the end, despite his kind of like earnest pleading, felt cruel. And 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 I still and I didn't get a sense of love for that character. I just felt like a kind of death. And, and in a way, I think Sedant also kind of points at this too, is that the movie becomes self-reflexive because Bo, as you've kind of pointed out, is a cipher. He's not really a person at all. Mm-hmm. He's just reacting to everything that happens in front of him. Um, and and in fact, his inner life, even the little, the little hints that we get of like things that have happened to him over his life seem to be constructions not only that his mother has created... <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. but also constructions that the filmmaker has created for us to kind of like pick holes at. And they don't really, they didn't really resonate. Um, and, well, and, and, the, I, and I, again, I do think I, I am certainly uh, willing to give this movie another shot. I just found that the, it, that I, I think there was another review that I read of this, which said that it slowly slips from a Kafkaesque nightmare into uh, a cinematic therapy session where the audience is just kind of watching along and we're not sure if we're, if we're invited to the actual catharsis. Um, and I, I sort of wondered that same question, which is that I didn't feel that the, the journey was worth it by the time we got oh, to Oh, interesting. The I thought, so a couple, a couple different things. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like the journey was worth it for me personally. Even that ending when he finally runs... Mm-hmm. And gets to that judgment place where it's a very Truman Show esque. Like, though, is he? Like, th- th- that's the thing. He's kind of like walking away from something that horrible he's just done. And, he, and there's, there's an amazing sequence where where ha- Joaquin like staggers away from the house, you know, with a with a look of shock and horror on his face, and then stumbles onto a boat and then travels. You know, continues to travel. Right. I mean, he's he's leaving. I mean, he's <laughs> I would be fleeing. I don't know what you want to call yeah. it, but like. The when he's confronted and like that sort of judgment is happening, yeah, I feel like that is for me personally. And and this, I don't speaking as a Z list celebrity on the internet, okay. Um, uh, there is a constant, like, another large anxiety is that of judgment, not only uh, in a specific moment, but of the of the entirety of your life or work based on misinterpretation by strangers. Right. Yeah. And and the entire like that's almost like the final judgment yeah. in a in a way it's the final judgment in the film. And uh and and Bo can only take it so long as the engine is holding out and then the engine. Uh, it, here's the thing. There's no hope in this movie. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Wait. there's no hope at the end of the movie. Yeah, I a a like I felt very like, yep, this is life. Uh, but I I hadn't seen something so brutally honest about that before mm -hmm. in in a, in a presentation like this. Yeah. Um, I I could relate entirely to it because I mean, you and I I would I would even d d define us both as a bit of workaholics. Mm -hmm. um, there's, <laughs> in a way, in in that angle, even just we want to dial it down a little bit, and I'll just speak for myself. For me, I know there's only so much gas in the tank, right? <laughs> and at some point, uh, you know, if if I can't get uh, my uh, I don't remember, demons, anxiety, fears, sort of like in check. Like the ending of Bo feels very real. You know what it feels like, and I'm just sort of determining it right now. It feels like a warning. Right. It feels like a warning for unchecked anxiety and fear about the entirety of one's life. Right. And uh, to be honest, it's funny. I'm like I'm having the therapy session right now while we're sort of talking through this. Yeah. But like. It makes me want to find solutions. Mm -hmm. Again, this is an external thing from the film. Right. But it makes me want to find solutions for myself so that I don't end up like Bo. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think I, you can take – you certainly if, – if that's your reading of it, then I think then, then the movie has achieved a lot in terms of like um, give, providing you um, some uh, – an outlet for hope, I guess, in the, in the context it, of the movie. However – for me, the thing was, and, and and again, I think I liked, like in Hereditary, I think there is an undeniable cruelty to Hereditary in the ending of Hereditary, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's couched in a sense that there are real traumas at play with yes. these characters, and these characters have long histories that have gotten them to that point. And what's interesting, I guess, about it is that those characters are battling those traumas, trying to figure out how to navigate it, and the and the sort of beautiful cruelty is the wrong word there but the beautiful observational quality of hereditary and midsummer in, in so much is that despite their best efforts they are fated to certain destinies and mm -hmm. whether they know it or not these have been predetermined for them and that is the battle that they are that they're going to it's very sisyphean now in the case of Bo, the there's an interesting midpoint to the film, and, and I think someone says, you know, the play is the thing. And it becomes this sort of, like, uh, hallucinatory animated play where Bo imagines a life that is beyond the grasp of what he knows and understands, but turns out to be entirely unreal. <laughs> entirely, um, because as, as, as graphically portrayed, the man has never had sex. Um, and, and, um, and we will soon come to learn that. But I, I like that there is an imagining of a world there that Bo perhaps desired and wanted. However, when we get to the final confrontation between Bo and Patty Lapoon, I don't see him fighting for that life or anything. I think him, I see him just kind of like observing the kind of cruelties uh, that have been, you know, that have been written for him with a sort of, you know, with a tepid kind of like, oh, okay, this is what it is. Um, and well, can you blame him for the amount that his anxieties have beat him down at that point? Like, if this was a triumphant thing, this is why I think it's, it's not, not about. It doesn't have to be a triumphant thing. It's certainly not in hereditary and certainly not in Midsummer. But the the interesting thing is, you see, you see the characters in those other two films fight. Yeah, you don't really see Bo outside of one or two very few moments sort of fight. Uh, you see reactions, yeah. 
And and I, I, I think that to me even like signals even more like in Hereditary and Midsommar, uh, the the like I did invest in the characters. I liked the characters. I liked watching the characters. In this, it is so clearly to me in my experience like not about the characters especially the character of Bo every other thing sort of represents different types of things that I I think anyway the the filmmakers were trying to get across to the audience to experience sort of more uh, first person wise as opposed to third in in an odd uh, emotional sense Mm -hmm. the way that the way that that, uh, the middle part the the play act three um that was also highly relatable. Not not like the oh he then wanted to become a farmer and go travel and have a thing and like whatever. Like, but there's like we're constantly told throughout our lives, just even through movies or books or or games or whatever that we play, like like the grand adventure and the and the quest and like the family and home and like all of these things to the point where like, look, if I'm looking at my life. Mm. I am nowhere near where I thought I would be at redacted years old from when I was 20 years old. Right. Like I thought, and again, I knew nothing, but based on what media had kind of taught me, I thought that there was a certain life that I would be moving forward Mm -hmm. toward. And I don't know if I'd be happier in that life or not, but there are moments of reflection uh, in in fantasy-esque ways where I'm like, oh, well, what if I did do that? What if that was the thing? What if I married this person? What if I started a family? What if I moved here to a different spot? What if I lost someone? Like, and that whole section to me felt like the musings of someone in life looking back and like uh, the sort of, the grass is always greener sort of yearning. Mm-hmm. And then, especially the moment that you referenced when the kids ask, like, well, how, wait, what? Like, you have never had sex. Well, he's like, <laughs> like my, my, my father died but at the moment I was conceived, and I have therefore never had sex. And, it's like, and they're yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> and like, his kids are like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's when that moment of you like imagining things kind of collapses in on itself. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I found the whole thing... For again, for as batshit insane that this movie is, I found the whole thing so goddamn relatable. Hmm. That's, like I, again, I, I'm not uh, disputing that or or no, uh, I know, yeah. Uh, but I, but I think I there was a certain sense to whether the journey um, coalesced for me uh, yeah. when when the time the directed by Ari Aster came up, <laughs> and I was like, and I was sitting there going, you know, I got to be honest with you, for the last hour of this movie. I have not been engaged in in, wow. in anything's happening, and I think for the first two acts, I was really, uh, I thought they were brilliantly staged, brilliantly put together. There is nothing I can tell you right now, horror filmmakers, please take note. There is nothing more terrifying than a teenage girl at this point. The teenage girls <laughs> in, in Act Two of this movie are the most terrifying movie monsters I have ever witnessed at any point in any movie and again there's a penis monster <laughs> and there is a penis monster that stabs someone through the head in the middle uh, towards the uh-huh. end of this movie um but i i think again that that sequence is so uh again playing on the sort of kafka-esque nature of it which is that there is misunderstanding to everything that he's doing um i absolutely loved it but i think by the time we got to the play where the momentum of the film really slows down because we're sort of 
even in that second act, the momentum of the film kind of slows down a little bit. And there's some really wonderful stuff. There. I, I like that the movie is full of like sly little nods. In that second act, there feels like there's a sly little nod to to Mel Brooks's film Spaceballs, uh, yeah. when he's like uh, when he finds the videotape or the recording of of essentially the recording of the movie, and he fast forward to see the end of the movie, uh, yeah. which I thought was like a neat little gag um, uh, in this in the sequence of the movie. But I think the momentum of the film started slowing down for me, and then. The problem is that momentum was not replaced by an emotional engagement in the ongoing story of this character. And one of the most telling things for me was that I finally watched the trailer today. And I was and the trailer has like this beautiful little three snap sequence of uh, the uh, the loss of Emily, who's a character that comes back towards the end of this uh, played by mm-hmm. Parker Posey. And I and I was watching and going, I think this trailer did a better job of making me feel like that was actually something rather than what the film did, which made it feel like, oh, it's strange that this person appeared. It's strange that they disappeared. It's strange that the mother was involved in this. I don't really know how Bo feels about this at all. I do like Mariah Carey. Um, the use of Mariah Carey's always be my baby in the sequence. But I was just kind of like left by, like, oh, that's interesting. It, more than anything, I was like, that's an interesting choice, rather I, than so- I'm really interested in what's going on here. Yeah, I, I think the, the trailer read of what you're describing feels like a, a way a good movie would tell a story. Yeah. I think, again, like, I never thought of Emily, too, as a Like, Emily was an idea. Right. Like, in my in, in this whole thing. And I, I, I can, I don't know, I, <laughs> don't email us in about all this stuff at onlymoviepodcast.gmail.com, but I feel like we've all had, we've all had even, our, even young. We've all had like, our Emilys. We've all had our Emilys. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like... Um, and 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 the wondering of what happens if they come back or 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 or, or, any, or sort of not even like a pining just like like a perfect sort of innocent romance-esque type of thing that that then is just burns in your brain and lives there rent free right. like because I, maybe it's because when you're younger you know emotions feel more raw and like lasting i don't know what the i, I mean that's a different discussion but like i never was looking for oh like the Bo and Emily catharsis. I was looking at the yeah I can relate to this feeling and oh my god this person came back. Well, what if this person came back? Like there's 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 look maybe I'm just an egotistical nightmare, but like I did relate this entire thing to me rather than the character of Bo. I and I personally I, think that's totally that fine. that was the yeah. I personally think especially with the with the with the director's previous two films. I think here that's a choice right. because that doesn't happen in the other two films. Right. Like it's not presented in the same way and it's not like the way the characters are are, are uh, not only displayed but we interact with them or other characters do or the world sort of touches them is much, 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 much different. Yeah. So I think this movie – and again, I go back to the beginning kind of like – proving my point to me yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not about Bo we are the person we are, we're supposed to be experiencing these anxieties like ourselves we were born at the beginning of the movie right like yeah and I, uh, I, I you know I think Sedan's uh, review kind of points to that idea of the self-reflexive nature of this uh, and obviously again the cinematic sort of uh, staging and when I mean cinematic I mean it literally feels like he is in a cinema uh, by the end of it and yeah. is being judged by Richard Kind which is by the way Fine, fine. Not a bad way fine, to go. Uh, uh, a fine prosecutor in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that his defender um, dies in almost the same way that the the elderly person died in Midsummer. A spoiler for Midsummer. Um, yeah. But I was like, I. It did feel like the film was becoming so self reflexive that 
that Bo was both the audience and Ariasta at the end of the movie, both being judged for the things that he had put us through. And I think that reading is really a good way to read that sequence. I think the thing is, though, again, these sequences are, these these acts are very, very long. And um, it's not so much, I, 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 for one, am not a person who minds long movies, by the way. Bring on uh, Martin Scorsese's three and a half hour Killers of the Flower Moon. I think but, it's longer. I think it's longer than that. There you go. Um, but I think for me, the problem was, is that I didn't feel that the journey rewarded uh, an emotional catharsis there. And, and or, or even a character cross. And then there was a sort of a hint at it that there was a sort of scene, like, we, we talked about this with our um, review of Wes Anderson's uh, The French Dispatch. The mm-hmm. sense that um, while uh, Wes Anderson's films live in an almost similar unreality, perhaps more of a, uh, um, a dollhouse of his own creation, there is a sense that he loves each of those characters and, you know, um, enjoys the actual characters' stories. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that sense with Bo. <laughs> and I was, I was kind of, I, I was kind of feeling yeah. there was a sense. Um, maybe it's a, and if it is self-reflexive, maybe a sense of more of self-loathing um, towards the end of the film. But I, I, to get to get to that point without that sense of like, what makes Bo tick, or what is, or why are we interested in what Bo on who, in who Bo is? We're not. Yeah, and I and I I found that to be somewhat of an empty experience. Um, And and in a way, I can, like, but here's the the sort of counterpoint to that. I love the experience of going to see a movie. I love the experience of, like, seeing a movie, like, that, you know, riffs on on both uh, Albert Brooks's best movies, like Judgment Judgment City and, oh, no, sorry, Defending Your Life and Mm. and Mama, uh, as well as, like, the Coen Brothers with, like, Raising Arizona riffs in the middle of it, and there's a Cronenberg penis monster, or, I don't know, there is a penis monster in this movie. Um, (laughs) I love the oddities of this movie. I love the imaginative flair of the world on display at the beginning of the movie. Um, I love that that this was made by a filmmaker who has both the skill, craft, and wherewithal to take the audience on that journey and craft the anxieties as well as they did. I want to see it again and give it another another shot. I'm, I, am I, you know, the the sort of barometer of like, would I recommend this to people? I would go like, nah, you know, look, uh, I think, I think this is a great, interesting, fascinating movie. Uh, I'm not sure it's for everybody, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like I, I think that I think, I think. Uh, if you go check it out and you do not like the experience, I think that is a valid response to this movie. I do as well, but here's the interesting caveat. Normally, I would say for about a movie that I'm like, this movie definitely isn't for everyone, I would then say some people probably shouldn't watch it. Right. I, 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 want I, I don't every- think I would say that. I don't think I would say some people shouldn't watch it. I just think I'm not, I'm not sure everyone's going to like this. I want everyone to watch <laughs> this, and then I want you to decide if you like it or not. Right. <laughs> Like, I want you to experience this movie. And I'd be super interested. Email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Again, uh, did you fall on the side of sort of Shahir or myself or a different side that we didn't even like think of? Doesn't need to be sides, by the way. Doesn't need to be sides. Doesn't need to be a battle. Uh, I'm sorry. We need engagement, (laughs) Shahir. So everything needs to be sides. Needs to be a battle. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We're going to fight to the death. Um, We're going (laughs) to. 
We're going to strap on our uh, all of our wartime gear and have a giant fight in a woodland theater. <laughs> um, no, uh, I'm just curious, uh, you know, other people's reactions or, or experiences while watching this movie. And I do... <laughs> Normally, I would not want to recommend a movie where I'm like, yeah, fifty percent of the people won't like it. Yeah, <laughs> but like, but I, I, I also did enjoy, like, the idea that fifty percent of the people walked out of this movie going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, look, uh, I think there's a huge history of the kinds of movies like this which are going to confound you, and and that confounding is a good thing. You know, like being like not every experience should be tied up in a bow. And maybe on a rewatching now thinking about now knowing where the journey is going to end up, um, the experience might be richer for me. And my first experience was not that case. Um, but, you know, uh, let's see where we go. Uh, and, you know, like another film like Orson Welles film, The Trial, I think is fairly cruel to its to its lead character. And I still kind of felt that that journey on first watching was one I really responded to. This was not one that I responded to as well. I walked out confounded, and the next day, the the, the feelings that I had about the movie were super clear. Right. Like, I, I had a really solid idea of what it was going for and how it got there. Right. Like, for again, for a movie that is has so much oddity in it, mm-hmm. that, that, that seems on the surface to be designed to be confounding... Mm. I think I understood this movie at the end of the day, or uh, or, or or it understood me. I don't know, yeah. but like the, I I feel very weirdly connected to this piece. That's great. And uh, I mean, you know, as we've seen on the podcast, the the number one check mark uh, with a button that I can give thumbs up to a film is I'll buy this on Blu-ray day one. Sure. I need a physical copy of yeah. this thing. Uh, if this is on VHS, I'd buy two, the two the double set. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the flip side, put it right the, next the, the to the Titanic. Copy where you have to like change the change the tape yeah. halfway through. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. On laser disc. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I fucking I I I did not expect mm. to come out the next, day, especially after watching it and being like, oh, it's okay. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, the next day to be so flipped on it. Yeah, that's uh, great. I, and I think. I what I appreciate is that experience more. Like even having this conversation has made me go, you know, I got to give this another shake. Um, and not to and and I like the idea that a movie challenges uh, uh, on immediate effect as well. Like it's just, it's yeah. not straight, it's not clear cut. Um, it is, uh, uh, you know, provocative. It is a provocation, and I like it really and, is. And and and, and, and what I lo- the reason I brought up that final credit is I really did feel when that credit rolled up. There was a provocation to the audience. In many ways, the whole film is poking the audience uh, all the way through, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I liked the provocation. Yeah, I, I certainly, certainly appreciated the provocation the whole way through, and I am here for it. Yeah. Well, everybody, this has been the only podcast about the film Bo is Afraid, Shahir. When you are not recovering from being hit by a car in a very lovely home owned by Nathan Lane, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me with my little uh, medical helper attached to my leg at my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are um, rushing from one side of your house to the bodega to get a bottle of water, where can people find you? 
You could find me being very stressed out about whether I'm going to be arrested over 15 cents over at my website at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, PRZ on Instagram or PSN or Twitter. I didn't even make any fucking sense. You don't go there. It's fine. Uh, the, um, or do you? Do you? do you? Email us in if you've ever followed any of our of our links. I'd love I, to know. I, I got a few followers that followed me. Did you? Yeah, nice. I got a few followers. Uh, Emperor MSK on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't worry. I was never verified, and now today I'm still... Still not. Um, <laughs> I've, also, I've say, never been. Uh, you say you're a Z list. I'm whatever is twenty layers below that. <laughs> <laughs> also, check out the good works over at Extra Credits. By the time this drops, we will be having just started our Napoleon in Egypt series. I did not know about this part of Napoleon's life, and holy fuck! Well, guess where you're gonna, you might find out more about it is uh, Ridley Scott's new film about Napoleon, starring. One Joaquin Phoenix. I know, I know. It's gonna. I'm. I'm so here for it. Like I'm just. I'm curious. Do we know what time period that movie's supposed to be about? Or is just like a whole? It's a Napoleon film. Uh, after Ridley Scott's last. Uh, what was his last Egypt film? Gods of no, it was Gods of Egypt. Or what was? His, oh yeah. What was his movie with Christian Bale? Is the most. Egyptian yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Anyway, you know, anyway. whatever. I'm very excited about that series. Please go check that out. Also, um, uh, the a couple days after this, uh, we're gonna have an extra mythology on Bigfoot. Oh. Uh, the unkillable cryptid. So check that out as well. Uh, next week, I don't know. There's stuff coming out. Again, it's coming up to our birthdays. If you have movies that you, if you're one of the people that has gone through the entirety of this show, uh, as I know many of you do. In fact, I know a few of you have done it a couple times over. Um, you beautiful monsters. You beautiful, beautiful monsters. Tell us a movie that you think that Matt and Shahir should do a, a movie swap of. Because uh, perhaps we can bring that back, or if you have ideas for a birthday episode, it is our personal birthdays, by the way, not the not the birthday of the movie. So you're just doing us a favor. It's not yeah, really yeah. anything related to the podcast. Um, yeah, you're 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 giving us gifts. You're giving us really the what gifts you're doing. of your uh, engagement and your your likes and you're smashing that subscribe button and all that. Good and your stuff. brain thoughts. And your brain thoughts. Uh, Mine's not anyway, farts. Until <laughs> we don't want those. <laughs> Uh, until next time, uh, we grace your ear holes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Good chat.